Welcome back to another edition of the Pug and Cop Boxing Show. This is Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire of The Athletic. Tons to get into today. We had two big fight cards over the weekends with Joseph Diaz Jr. and Shafkat Rakamov battling to a draw in the main event for the 130-pound title. We had Brian Castaño outpointing Patrick Teixeira for a 154-pound title in the Chief Support bout on the zone. And then we had the comebacking Richard Comey with a big knockout win over Jackson Marinez. And also, top heavyweight prospect Jared Big Baby Anderson with a highlight reel KO. So... We're going to get into all that, plus we are going to have former Ford Division champion Adrian Broner join the show to break down his return to the ring after a more than two-year layoff. So if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, rate, review, and now we're going to get right into it. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. Creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only seems the like only a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. you got to go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. So, Lance, I was obviously in Indio ringside for the Jojo Diaz versus Rockamall fight. And, you know, first off, it was a really good Golden Boy card. I, I think Golden Boy's really picked it up since that dispute with Canelo Alvarez. Canelo's gone now, and they can't rest on their laurels anymore. They have to go out and promote. And they had made a really good deep card. Uh, Bektomir Melikruziev, who was supposed to fight Sergey Kovalev on January 30th, he came back at a, a fight at around 170 pounds and uh, scored a third-round knockout, I believe it was, against Morgan Fitch. Looks really good. I spoke to Mel Kuziev afterward. He said that he plans to campaign at 168 going forward, but that he can fight at anywhere between 160 and 175, and he'd love to revisit the Kovalev fight. I also caught up with Golden Boy matchmaker Robert Diaz and tried to find out what's really going on with this Kovalev obligation because Golden Boy still owes him a fight at $2.5 million, but Robert Diaz said that obviously they're looking into whether they actually owe him not considering he did fail for PEDs. So that's being monitored. And then we had Brian Castaño. I thought he looked excellent. He pre pressed the action for 12 rounds, which is no surprise for anyone who's watched the uh, Argentinian. He already looked great a couple of years ago when he fought Michelle Soro in France. I saw that fight on YouTube, and then I also watched him, as most of our listeners did, I'm sure, as well, when he fought Arisley Lara to a controversial draw on Showtime in 2019. So this is a capable guy. Now he's a champion, great pressure fighter, smaller 154-pounder, and he brings that title back to PBC, to that side of the aisle. And I fully expect to see him and Jermel Charlo fight later this year for the Undisputed Championship. And then moving on, Lance, we had the 130-pound title fight between JoJo and Shafkai Rakamov, and that was supposed to be Diaz's first title defense after beating Tevin Farmer. We had JoJo on the show last week. He ended up missing weight. Title was only on the line for Rakamov, and it was a draw. I had it 15-13 for Diaz from ringside. That's how one judge had it. Other two judges had it a draw, 114-114. It was a really good action fight, and I would have loved to have seen a rematch, but I reported today that the IBF has already gone ahead and wasted no time in ordering a fight between Rakamov and Japan's Kenichi Ogawa, who's best known for the controversial victory over Tevin Farmer a few years ago that was ultimately overturned after a PED positive. That fight's been ordered now for the vacant IBF title. So lots to get into, Lance. Uh, I'm wondering, what was your main takeaway from that JoJo Diaz fight? Because I thought it was a really good fight, and 
it seems that a lot of that has got a loss in all the weigh-in talk. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when you look at Jojo Diaz, I think that the thing that really strikes me about this guy is just how real he is. And even even though this happened to him, Mike, I mean, he was there in the in the locker room. Actually, I saw him on in a, in a doing a, a selfie interview in the shower. You know, talking about you know the ways that he dropped the ball and in, in getting prepared for this fight. And it's really a damn shame because Mike, I mean, Jojo Diaz. It, the world was his, so, you know. If he if he can just make the way and win this fight, I mean, he's got everything waiting for him with those 100 other 130 pound champions at top rank. So from that perspective, it was you know a pretty great disappointment. But at the end of the day, look, especially in the championship rounds, Mike, he turned it on, he got the job done, and he showed that look, I am still a contender. I may not you know have this belt any longer. But we know that Golden Boy and Top Rank are going to be trying to make fights. And 130 pounds, Jojo Diaz is going to remain a player in that division. And, you know, let's just hope. I mean, look, I mean, he did have some things hanging over his head, some excuses that he could call upon. No one wants to hear them. But, you know, with everything going on with the pandemic, having a new child is a great, great distraction on, you know, any mere mortal. And, you know, look, it, it fell through the cracks. But in the ring, as he, you know, as he said in his post-fight interview, his cardio was fine, and he showed that by, you know, dealing with with uh, Shavkat's uh, pressure and coming back and and winning those deciding rounds to really, you know, uh, basically, I mean, you can almost say escape with the draw because he needed those last rounds according to the scorecards. Yeah, I, I thought JoJo was the much cleaner puncher. Um, you know, there were there were a lot of stretches in the fight, Lance where Rakamov was outworking him. But, you know, he landed a few good shots in the fight, but I thought mostly Diaz was doing the, landing the much bigger shots. Rakamov was kind of uh, touching him more, especially yeah. Diaz landed a lot of clean lefts. He was turning those lefts over real nice. And it was clear to me, and I spoke to JoJo earlier today, he was in shape, even if he didn't make the weight. Now, right. no excuse, obviously. You have to make weight. And he's lost a big bargaining chip for, um, you know, his next fight. He could have got a lot more money having that belt still, but you would have kept mm-hmm. in the draw, obviously. So... But I don't think, you know, I thought it was wrong for anyone to say that Diaz wasn't in shape. He was in shape, and I think he yeah. showed that in the fight. If anything, it probably hurt Rakimov. Rakimov had to make weight. Diaz didn't. And Jojo told me he weighed around 131.8 on the morning of um, of the of the weigh-in on Friday. Wow. He tried to get down and lose more, and he was trying to, and he said the weight just wasn't coming off. The water wasn't coming out of his system. So he decided to just not try anymore, and that's why he weighed as much as he did on the scales. It wasn't okay. that he was so far off. Yeah. According to him. Yeah, no, it was a it was a tough situation for Jojo. I mean, obviously, you know, for those who were able to enjoy last week's podcast, you got a, a big taste of how personable this guy is and definitely is a guy who 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 lives with his heart on his sleeve. So I'm sure he's going to take a hard look at this, you know, come back, redeem himself, and and like I said, be a player in this division. But I was, you know, I was very impressed too, uh, Mike, with Castaño. I mean, and like you said, this beautifully sets up a four belt unification for PBC with three belt champion Jermel Charlo in the uh, 154 pound division. I really like this fight, Mike. When you consider, you know, the techniques of uh, of Charlo versus the pressure that you're going to see from Castaño, he's not going to be fearful of really any man that he steps in the ring with, and that. That could definitely uh, turn into like this all-action type bout. Is that what you sort of project after seeing uh, what he did against Teixeira on Saturday night? 
Yeah. Uh, first off, I find it funny that the WBO wasn't recognized by PBC for a long time. I'm sure that now that it's convenient and that fight happens, we'll see it being touted as a four belt uni uh, unification for all for the undisputed championship. That's just me, Lance. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I think Castaño is an excellent fighter. He's a you know he can really fight, and I think this is a tough matchup for Char Jamel Charlo. Although I think stylistically it plays in Charlo's favor. He's a guy who likes to counterpunch. He's a big puncher. Castaño is certainly there to be hit, and he doesn't seem too worried about it. His head movement is good, but he comes straight forward in. Charlo's going to have a lot of opportunities for counterpunching. But let's not forget, in that first fight, when Tony Harrison scored that controversial victory over Jamel Charlo, he had found a lot of his success by backing Charlo up. So mm -hmm. I don't think this is an easy fight at all for Charlo. Uh, Castaño is a really strong guy. I mean, he's a smaller 154 pounder, which makes him stronger, right? Because he has more packed into that small frame. So mm -hmm. I hope it happens soon. I think it's a great fight. And I think it would, it would certainly elevate Charlo. Absolutely, Mike. I think, and I think that's the first thought that comes to my mind for that fight. I mean, I think Jermel Charlo is really a guy who is, is elevating into his position of prominence in this sport. And so, look, it's one of those fights where you say, you know, you got to deal with this guy who's going to just be a grinder on you. But I think that Jermel Charlo, his skills are advancing to the point that he'll have an answer for that. And, you know, to stand as that four belt champion is going to be so significant um, for this guy. And, you know, this is what they need because, you know, the Charlo brothers, I know that, you know, again, we're in the heart of the pandemic with the uh, their doubleheader that took place in September. And the numbers weren't, you know, especially astounding. But these guys do have a ton of personality, and I, I would hope that these types of fights um, could allow to allow, could allow both of these guys to really elevate, you know, how they're perceived in this country as as great American champions. Because that opportunity is definitely before each of them. And Jermel, you know, anytime you're fighting for four belts, people are going to gravitate to that to that type of fight. Yeah, um, it's a great fight. It has to happen. I'm sure PBC will get it done. It's Charlo was calling for it on Saturday, even before the fight, and Castaño said he wants it after the fight. Um, and then when right. it's over on ESPN, you know, Joe Smith, we had him on uh, as a guest last week, but the fight was postponed after his uh, opponent, Maxine Vlasov, tested positive for COVID. And one thing I can't figure out, Lance, is how does Top Rank not have a light heavyweight standing by the way PBC and everyone else does it, the way HBO's done it for years, where you have a 10 round fight on the undercard at 175, right? Just in case somebody gets sick, especially with COVID now, or someone's hurt, someone doesn't make weight. We saw uh, Eddie Hearn and, and the zone and Golovkin do that when Golovkin fought against Revianchenko. They had Camille Zaremeda on the undercard. And this, this happens all the time. I mean, Gabe Rosado was on the undercard of a the Jacobs Chavez fight for that reason. PBC does it for every every single fight. I can't fathom why top rank didn't have one light heavyweight fight on the undercard. That way they could just slide somebody in and at least have a non-title fight or whatever. Yeah, it is very stunning, Mike. And I don't know, you may have been uh, reporting on this in the last few hours, but I was talking to some people over the weekend and they were saying that this, this fight may not take place until like May now. It may get pushed way back because I believe Joe Smith is uh, supposed to be getting married as he was telling us on the, on the podcast. So, um, you know, this is a very, very much a position of inconvenience for top rank, for Joe Smith, for Vlasov, for everyone involved. And it's really, it's really a shame that this happened over this COVID positive. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they can do something where they can, you know, accelerate this. But I don't know. I mean, I just, to me, it seems as if 
there's going to be a long way. And it's, it's too bad because as we, you know, heard from Joe Smith last week, I mean, this guy was chomping at the bit to become a world champion. Now everything's on pause and hold. Yeah, it's really too bad. Um, it's too bad he couldn't even get some rounds in against a replacement opponent, and he should have been able to. So I feel bad for him there. But hopefully yeah, he gets I, you his know, shot, Lance, sooner than later. No, but you know, and, and then but elevating into the uh, to the main event was Richard Comey. You know, coming back from his loss to Tiafimo Lopez and getting a knockout victory, like you mentioned earlier, against Jackson Marinas. I mean. Very impressive, and I think Richard Comey now, you know, in a very deep division, if anyone needs a fighter to, you know, call upon, it's not a bad thing to say, hey, let's let's pluck this former world champion who showed what he can do on Saturday night, right? I mean, this guy is going to uh, stay in a significant role in the lightweight division moving forward. Yeah, Comey's definitely going to get an opportunity. It's a very deep division, like you mentioned. And whether it's, you know, Devin Haney needs an opponent or Ryan Garcia, Tiffy Lopez even, someone's going to need Richard Comey at some point, and he's going to get a payday that he deserves and another opportunity to get back into the mix. And I'd go a step further, Lance. There's a lot of great fights you can make with the guys that are probably like 5 through 15 at lightweight. You know, you have Jorge Linares, Javier Fortuna, Richard Comey now, Luke Campbell still. Um, Andre, Roman Andre, who's with the top rank. You can mix and match in a lot of these guys and make great fights. So I hope we get the fights we deserve. And I know that talks continue toward a possible fight between Devin Haney and Jorge Linares on, on April 17th on the zone. And that's a fight I really like. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I mean, we I can remember, Mike, when we were speaking to Jorge Linares in that gym in Anaheim uh, last year, if you remember that. And just the the passion and confidence that this guy exudes you know, he's had some rough spots, but definitely is, is remaining in the game and definitely wants to continue to show, you know, what a champion's heart looks like in the ring. And I, I believe that you will see the best of Jorge Linares in this next fight. We'll be back right in a minute after we hear from one of our sponsors. Biggest news of the weekend, actually, was over in the UK. That was Josh Warrington with the shocking loss in the ninth round to Mauricio Lara. I mean, Warrington was a 12 to 1 favorite. This was just another fight to everyone, to me, certainly. Uh, stay busy fight. Warrington wanted to fight Zucan, and that fight I was told was done for April. That was going to wow. be a featherweight unification fight. Uh, and it was funny because I was in Indio, uh, California for the Golden Boy show. And I sat there as Golden Boy executives found out that Warrington lost and they couldn't believe it. <laughs> so wow. the, uh, there goes the Warrington versus Zucan fight that we were all excited for uh, as Warrington is knocked out by uh, Mauricio Lara. And, uh, you know, I think the big takeaway, Lance, for me and a lot of people is what was Howard Foster doing? Because certainly if it was Lara, the underdog that was out like that in the fourth rounds, they would have stopped the fight. Because Warrington, you know, had a lot of trouble making it back to his corner after that fourth round. It certainly could have been stopped there and then, in my opinion. But it went on for another five rounds. And, you know, this guy emerged with a lot of bad injuries. He was concussed. He had a perforated eardrum. I believe there was another injury. He had brain scans and everything looks fine now. But it's the kind of loss that you never quite recover from, right? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And that raises a good point. I mean, I was so impressed with right from the get-go, Mauricio Lara just brought such pressure. He was completely unintimidated by the circumstances of having to you know, travel across the Atlantic and be fighting uh, at the Wembley Arena. 
And, you know, look, what he did to Josh Warrington in the fourth round absolutely deserved uh, for the referee Howard Foster to step in and call that fight off. And while you can say, like, you know, look, we know this is the homegrown talent. We know this is a a guy who has a zero in the loss column, and he's a, a former world champion in the featherweight division. Look, you did this guy no favors by by what you did. You did not like you know preserve him to the uh, to the point he could come back and win the fight. All that happened was you got like five more rounds of punishment, like you you mentioned. And when the finish came, Mike, it was even more you know destructive than what we saw in the fourth round. So look, I hope that uh, people will will step up and 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 look at these officials and scrutinize what happens and have these kind of conversations that need to take place when a fight like this occurs because there this is a teaching moment. Like, look, you know, we understand what who was supposed to win, you know, going into these fights. But when someone is that jacked up, you've got you've got to call this off. And you know, on the same card, Mike, um, there was some pretty horrific judging that took place. That basically robbed the the former featherweight title uh, contender, uh, Kiko Martinez, of uh, you know at least maybe a draw, if not a victory, against Zelfa Barrett. I mean, he rocked Barrett four times in the fight. He outlanded him 184 to 117 in total punches and 144 to 77 in power punches, and yet it was an easy to, uh, victory by decision for Barrett. So. A lot of people, I know on my mailbag, I had a lot of readers saying like, you know, again, we need to go back to the judges and the referees and, you know, rethink what we need to do. And I think when, you lo- when you're looking at this judging situation, again, WBC, the WBC is looking at the idea of having more judges uh, do these fights. And whenever that can take effect, it can't be soon enough, in my opinion, because there, something has to be done to eliminate the, the the faulty scores that just to be, you know, seem to be happen so often and they're so prevalent in the sport. And it really de- detracts from, you know, what what our expectation is in sitting down and watching a prize fight. We want it when we see a winner clearly emerge from the the action, you know, we hope that that is the person's hand who was raised. And far too often and in, in many memorable cases, it's just not happening. So... Um, let's hope again that the sport can can clean up this flaw in the system. Yeah, and it was great to see promoter Eddie Hearn come out and blast that scorecard, that 118-111, I believe it was. Uh, even though I think, you know, Eddie doesn't have Kiko Martinez, so uh, he didn't have interest there, but it was great to see him call it out and call out the British Boxing Board of Control. And on the Warrington stuff, you know, as much as I want to blame Howard Foster, and he definitely deserves some of the blame, I think ultimately in these situations, it falls on the corner. The corner knows their fighter best. They are the ones that, you know, are supposed to be like family to the fighter. They have to be the ones to pull the plug if the referee is not going to do it. Yeah, very, very good point, Mike. No doubt about it. I mean, there that's that is true to a point, but clearly you know the passion, how how deeply the passion runs, you know, not only in the fighter, but oftentimes in the corner as well. And if the fighter has made it very clear, look, look at the case of Deontay Wilder, right? I mean, someone a head rolled uh, because the towel was thrown in. So this all kind of runs through the uh, through the minds of these people in the corner. And but the ultimate neutral arbiter has to be that um, that referee to step in and, and protect the fighter to let him live and to fight another day. Let's take a listen now as Adrian Broner joins us. 
We pre-recorded this late last week. Lance started it off and I jumped in during the middle of the interview. So let's jump into that right now. So we're joined today by four division world champion, Adrian Broner of Cincinnati, Ohio. Adrian, at a very young 31 years uh, of age, returns to the ring for the first time in just over two years, Saturday night on Showtime in the main event against Puerto Rico's Giovanni Santiago. Adrian, I wanted to ask you first and foremost, how has this layoff been? Has this been grueling? Has it been entertaining? Has it been fun? What is it exactly has been going on in your life? I've been having fun. You know, uh, you know, it was it was a uh, a good layoff for me. You know, letting my body heal up and you know just living my life outside of boxing. And uh, now, you know, uh, I'm just ready to get back to uh, boxing and uh, living a boxer's lifestyle. Yeah, I mean, take take us in if you can. Like, what what is a snapshot of your life when you're not in training, when you're not, you know, doing the daily grind of getting ready for a fight? Is it, you know, we've seen your Instagram lifestyle. Is it like that, or what exactly is happening out there? Uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot. But um, you can go R rated, R rated, but not X. You, you, you. I mean. A lot of people are going to see a lot of that in my movie, but, you know, uh, I don't think it's time to, to, to let it out yet. But, you know, I, it, it'd be a lot going on in my life outside of boxing. Well, I think the thing that I've seen just from from what I've seen on your Instagram and other social media is just how incredibly fit you look. And it, it definitely seems like you are you have a newfound dedication. I don't want to, you know, describe uh, something that's not real. You tell me, though. I mean, do you feel like you've got like this opportunity right now before you and you're, you're going after it full tilt. Yeah. You know, um, I got a great, great opportunity and, um, I think it's just the, the perfect time for me to, uh, come back to boxing and, um, take back over the sport. It's wide open, you know, uh, boxing, boxing needs me. And, um, at this point, you know, uh, I'm, I'm putting my all back into boxing. What has motivated you through this camp? I know there's been some stuff that has happened outside the ring, but I want you to be able to uh, say it in your own words to what is really driving, because obviously that has to come from something that's inside your heart more than anything else. Um, just, you know, uh, you know, being dominant, you know, uh, a lot of people, they look, you know, don't get me wrong. I got a, I got a great support system. I got a great support team, but you know, it, it's when somebody say that, it's when I hear someone say, oh, he's done. I'm like, mm -hmm. shit, how can I be done? I'm only 31. I did a lot of things early in my career, but, you know, I haven't really took much punishment for somebody to say I'm done. So, you know, uh, I'm just here to, to do what I got to do, and um, I will be world champion again. That's great. I, and, and you're absolutely right, Adrian. I mean, I think that it, having dealt with you so many times over the years, the one thing that I always take away from our conversations is just how authentic and genuine you are. I mean, you can say whatever you want to say about, you know, the things that we see on your social media and maybe some of the stuff that you've been involved in. But I know in talking to you one-on-one, -on -one, you're one of the most real people I've ever uh, talked to. And I, as a journalist, I deeply appreciate, um, you know, you opening your heart to me each time you talk. And I know you, you give that to everyone you deal with, I would assume. Am I right? Yeah. 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 I don't, I try not, I try not to hide nothing from, from the fans or from the people, you know, I was always taught to, uh, you know, uh, just be yourself and, um, they going to even love it or hate it. Well, we're joined by my colleague, Mike Coppinger, uh, right now. 
Uh, Mike, we were just talking about, you know, uh, as Adrian comes back to the ring on Saturday night on Showtime, just how real and authentic he is uh, as a as a human being. And I know you've had some a lot of encounters with Adrian that, you know, reveal that as well. Do you want to talk about those things? What do you want to ask, A.B.? I just appreciate that A.B. is doing this. I don't know. Are you laying in bed right now? Laying on the couch? <laughs> yeah, I'm laying in bed, man. Man, uh, I'm so impressed by... You know, you've been really vocal about your struggles with, you know, alcohol. And I've, I've seen how hard you're training now, how much weight you've lost. And, you know, you're still a young guy. I think I think you're going to make a big run of this. I'm excited to see it. Uh, yeah, I'm working for it, man. I'm working my ass off, man. It's, uh, it's, everything's right in front of me. I just got to go grab it. I mean, what? I remember I mean, the first time I saw AB fight. I think it was back in like 2010 or 11 on an HBO off TV undercard. Remember that? And then... uh I did the Ring Magazine uh, prospect profile on Adrian Broner, and thankfully he made me look good. <laughs> Thanks, Always. man. I appreciate it. Always. Well, I, I, I'm interested in that when Mike talks about you, and you've talked about your struggles too, but what motivated you through this camp? Because like I said, I mean, it did look so impressive from what we were seeing, but, you know, the treadmill, the work in the ring, all that. Um, You know, I made a promise to myself. I made a promise to my babies and, uh, you know, uh, I can't break it, you know, so, uh, I'm just, I'm just staying, staying, I'm a man of my word. So, you know, uh, I'm just staying on, on task. How are you enjoying training in Miami? I know you've kind of set up shop there and, uh, looks like you have a big crew there. You have a boy, Robert Easter Jr. I know Tank's been out there. Is that a nice to get away from Ohio and be in the sunshine? Um, it, it's great. You know, uh, it's, it's easy to lose weight. It's hot out here and, you know, uh, it's a great scenery. And then, Every time I, I go through my neighborhood, you know, uh, you know, I just, you know, I love it because uh, it shows how blessed I am. And, uh, you know, uh, I got to take advantage of it. You know, I think one thing, Adrian, that gets, that's kind of flies under the radar for you is you're a great action fighter. I mean, you've been in, when you, when you want to be, that fight with Jesse Vargas was awesome. You've had some big fights like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I, I love to fight. I love the fight. So, uh. You know, you don't always get action when you get Adrian Browner, but uh, February 20th, uh, I'm, I'm trying to destroy. I'm trying to destroy and conquer. So uh, this time around, you know, uh, I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission, man, and uh, it starts February 20th. I think what fuels that mission, uh, Adrian, if I'm not mistaken, is just the entire journey that you've been on. As you reflect back, you know, of how far you've come in this boxing life and your own life, what didn't you count on about, you know, as you started it, about what being an elite boxer entails? Sometimes you get sidetracked, you know, uh, sometimes you get sidetracked, but, you know, um, I've, I've had my ups and downs. I've had my ups and downs and I've seen the way that people treat you. I've seen when, when you know, it's different when you, when you up, up, up and you're on top, you're champion and then when you lose and you know i seen i seen the way people change and then some people stay the same but you know uh I, i'm cool as long as i got my family as long as my kids don't love me my, my family love me you know I, i'll be all right you know well, one thing i have to ask i've seen you say that like i think i saw you say the other day on social media that you had people that you're paying for their phones you don't even know who they are i mean are people taking advantage of you adrian I think a lot of my kindness get taken as weakness, but you know, uh, I don't be tripping. I don't be tripping. You know, I keep my shoes tight. You, 
Yeah, I mean, you had to, but you had to um, post something, uh, you know, about that you were, ma- and, and whether this is true or not, I mean, you can clarify it, but you were down to $13, you know, and it's like, you know, how could this be that, you know, is this, what is this all about? Is it just, you know, the generosity that you, you know, are all about, or I mean, is, is it even real? I mean, you know, uh, like I said, some days ain't the best days, you know, some days you wake up with $13 or one day you'll wake up and have 13 million. You just, <laughs> you know, you never know where your life can take you, man. But you know, I always keep God first and every day I wake up with a smile. I, you know, I saw that court appearance that you had. And one of the things that you said was that, you know, one of the people that has been there to help you is Al Heyman. And I know he's, you know, been very supportive of your career throughout the years. Can you talk about that and just the kindness of that man in, in making sure that you're okay through everything that goes on? Al, Al is an angel, man. Al, Al, Al is everything. Without Al, man, a lot of these guys, include myself, would, would be probably in bad shape. And, you know, he's just somebody that, that if he love you, you know, and um, and he tell you that he got you, you know, he always got you. So, um, you know, I'll always make sure I'm straight. And, you know, um, you know, I'm blessed to have somebody in my corner like I am. Yeah, Adrian, I mean, when it comes to you, I don't think anyone's ever questioned your talents. And correct me if I'm wrong, but my perception, it just seems like sometimes you're just not that interested, right? Like I'm watching the Mikey Garcia fight and I was like, all right, Adrian could do more than this. I'm watching the Sean Porter fight. On round 12, you're like, oh, shit, I better get on it. And you drop them just like that. So for you, is it a focus thing? Do you just not, you know, are you not into it sometimes? Um, I mean, of course I had to get, of course I had to get rededicated and um, uh, just get my shit together. You know, uh, uh, stay focused and not let the stuff outside of boxing, you know, mess up what you got going on inside of boxing. So that's what I've been on. I mean, like, because that Marcos Maidana fight, I mean, you lost, but people were so impressed, and I was too. I mean, you showed a lot of heart and a lot of great – that was a great action fight. And after watching that, sometimes other fights, it wasn't like – it was like you weren't throwing a lot of punches. So – but I know you have it in you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, well, this 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 second go-round in my career, you know, uh, it's going it's to uh, be a hell of a story. And um, the people is going to love it. You know, of course, I still got critics, but shit, they, they hated on Michael Jackson. I know I ain't got a chance. They hated on Jesus. I know I ain't got a chance. <laughs> How sharp do you expect to be in this fight, Adrian? And what, where will victory take you? Um, I'm feeling real good. I'm feeling real sharp. And um, victory is going to take, take, take the sky's the limit, man. Once the people see that I'm back serious with boxing and I'm not bullshitting, you know, uh, they are going to jump back on the bandwagon. So, you know, all I got to do is perform. Yeah. Last question for you, for me. You know, people love a good comeback story. I think people are really excited. You're one of the biggest stars in the sport. You're someone who moves the needle, and we need more of that in boxing. You haven't fought since January 19, right, when you fought Manny Pacquiao, obviously one of the Mm -hmm. living legends. And I remember that you said in the ring after the fight that you thought you won the fight. Were you trolling or were you serious? Shit, I was serious. I didn't give a fuck. I, I, I really felt he wasn't hitting me. He wasn't hitting me. But then when I go back and watch the fight, it was like, all right, he threw more. He was just more busy. But he wasn't touching me with none of that stuff at all. If 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 you go and watch that fight with no sound, you'll be like, wow, he really wasn't landing nothing. 
the crowd was just yelling. But if you go watch the fight with no sound, you will see that he wasn't landing. But you know, um, that fight is in the, is in the past, and my biggest worry right now is Santiago. But surely you're going to laugh in that fight. I mean, Pacquiao is one of the greatest fighters of all time. You can only be better now, right? Of course, of course, of course. I learned a lot, and it was a great experience. And you know, um, I was, I was, I'm, I'm glad that God gave me the opportunity to be in the ring with Manny Pacquiao. I had one more question, Mike, and then you can wrap it up. Um, you know. You cycled really quickly to win uh, belts in four different weight classes, and now it's been you know kind of a long uh, dry spell for you. For you coming back now in your thirties uh, and re- being able to recapture a belt, have you allowed yourself to think what that feeling would be like, and what would that mean to you? Um, it's gonna mean everything to me, man. Uh, you know that's what I'm doing it for. You know I'm not doing it just to just for the money. You know I I already know if I do what I got to do, the money is gonna come, but you know, uh, you know, I'm, I, I believe, and I know that I'm going to be world champion again. Adrian, actually, the one last one for real. You know, you said that this is a new act for you. I feel like the first act of Adrian Broner was Adrian the Problem Broner. You know, mm-hmm. flashy, big power puncher. Then there was second act, Adrian about billions Broner. This third act, what is it now? Do we have a, Do we have a new moniker? Uh, you know, at the end of the day, man, I got so many damn names. The problem I really been in I've really been in problems. I'm the can man for sure. Shit, <laughs> I forgot that one. You know, this, you, you you gonna get all in one man. You gonna get Adrian Bronner man. You know, and uh, you know I'm coming back with vengeance. There you have it, the can man. Anybody can get it. And Santiago's sure. next. Yes, sir. Thank you so much, Adrian. Thank you. All right, thank y'all. All right, Lance. Let's take a real quick pause here as we hear from one of our sponsors. Thanks again to Adrian Broner for joining us. Remember, you can watch this fight Saturday on Showtime. The problem is back. And if you're not already f- doing so, you could follow Adrian on both Twitter and on Instagram at Adrian Broner. Lance, look, I think it's great when Broner's uh, fighting. He's one of the big names in the sport. He's one of the few needle movers. Regardless of whether you like him or not, you like his antics, don't like his antics, think he's overrated. He does mean something. And I wonder, what can he really do at this point? Yeah, I mean, Mike, I think we're going to find out on Saturday night. The thing is, uh, what I take, what I took from Adrian Broner is that he's sincere. And look, I mean, he has every reason to be sincere. I was watching some of the uh, footage of him being in that courtroom where basically they cuffed him and took him away to jail. And, you know, like he's got this, this money to pay back. He's got... Uh, basically, this is like his last chance, right? I mean, he's got to show that he has the ability to be a player at, at 140 pounds. And so this starts that path. This is his first fight in his 30s. I mean, what are you waiting for? You need to get going right now. And I I truly believe that Adrian Broner is is wants to do this. I mean, that he is he is committed to this, you know, look, I know, you know, I was once this guy who was going to take over the sport. It fell apart on me, but he, look, he still has skills. And I think that when you look at the 140-pound division, he's still a big name. And so he's going to be able to land these types of fights that people will want to see him in. And if those skills continue to ascend, which, you know, look, as long as he's committed and as committed as he's been throughout this camp, um, every, every report we've had is that he's, you know, completely dedicated um, to reviving his career, 
you know, look, it's worth watching. And I'll definitely be tuning in because it, it's one of those things, Mike, where maybe it's a little bit like a car wreck at times, but you want to see how this turns out. You want to see how this ends. You want to see, you know, um, can this guy um, get the better of himself and find himself and become the the fighter that everyone has expected him to be all along. And I think, you know, like the biggest question, I think that I'll just, I'll just ask you point blank. I mean, do you think that he can, he can do it? Do you think he can accomplish it, you know, to the satisfaction of, you know, what we're expecting? Lance, I really want to believe, you know, Adrian was one of my favorites, um, as a young writer, um, you know, flamboyant style, a lot of fun in the ring when he was fighting at 130 and 135, but I'm just, I'm jaded at this point. Like, how many times are we going to be sold this narrative that Adrian's coming back and this time he's better than ever? I mean, mm-hmm. we, had, we heard it before the Mikey Garcia fight. He threw, like, barely any punches against Mikey. He didn't show up to fight Sean Porter. He didn't show up for the Pacquiao fight. So, you know, outside of that loss of Madonna, he hasn't showed up in any of his other losses. So, um, I'm sure he's going to look good on Saturday against this opponent, but I question whether he can actually realize the potential we know he has. Well, I think as as a result of those performances that you've cited, Mike, he's fighting Giovanni Santiago now. And so I think there is some a lot of desperation connected to Adrian Broner. And I thought it was very haunting, you know, when he talked about, you know, having $13 to his name. And, you know, it has to mean something when you're cuffed up and taken into jail. Like you, when you're sitting in that cell, you're thinking about, you're reflecting deeply, I'm sure, on what you want to do with your life. And, you know, look, I'm going to believe just in, it, you know, basing it on my numerous conversations with Adrian Broner over the years that something has, has kicked in on this guy. And I know he was <laughs> laying down, you know, uh, in his bed as he, as he spoke to us. Uh, but I believe that there is this, a drive inside, inside him and he still wants to be remembered as as a fighter of substance, you know, a fighter, a, a champion in his own right, and you know, look, this journey starts again. It renews for him on Saturday night on Showtime. Yeah, and and uh, also on Saturday night, it's a really good undercard. I'm I'm really looking forward to um, Dominic Brazil against Otto Wallin. That's a, I mean, that's an excellent like heavyweight crossroads fight where the winner, you know, goes on and probably gets another big payday at some point as an opponent, and the loser is. You know, I don't know where the loser goes, but this is Dominic Brazil's first fight since that highlight real knockout loss to Deontay Wilder in the first round. I think that was in May of 2019. This is his wow. first fight since then. And this is Otto Wallin's second fight since that Fury loss uh, when he pushed Fury to the limit and cut him and really made a name for himself in that, in that fight. He got a multi-year deal with Showtime out of it. And he already knocked out Travis Kaufman in that first fight of the Showtime deal. Now he's going to fight Dominic Brazil. I think Otto Wallin's going to win again. I think he's a much fresher, fresher fighter. And, but I think it's going to be a good fight. I think it's going to be a heavyweight war and the kind of fight that we like to see. Yeah, it should be great, Mike. And I mean, uh, you know, I think this card is, is very interesting. And it's a, you know, it goes head to head with an, another fight that we'll get into. Um, with uh, fr- Friday on Friday's show, where you're, you know, it's going head to head with the ESPN card that's headlined by super featherweight champion Miguel Burchelt against former featherweight champion Oscar Valdez, and what should be an incredible um, uh, fight over on that on that network. So, look, boxing is in uh, full tilt as we're as we stand here in February. It's good to see a lot to talk about, 
and uh, so much more excitement ahead of us. All right, that does it, everyone. Thanks again for another great show. Thank you to Adrian Broner for joining us, and we'll see everyone Thursday as we break down the Miguel Burchelt-Oscar Valdez fight and are joined by Valdez to talk about the fight.